Hello and welcome to another episode of the Exchanges podcast. I'm Dr. Gareth Johnson, Managing Editor-in-Chief of Exchanges, the interdisciplinary research journal published at the University of Warwick. Thanks for joining me today and I apologise for being on a slight high as we published our most recent issue of the journal yesterday. So, if you've not already taken the opportunity to read this volume, I would encourage you to do so. There's some great stuff in there. But um, perhaps finish listening to this episode first. Now, in our last episode, uh, we talked about why articles get declined and how you can avoid this fate. By contrast, this time I'm delighted to welcome our first podcast guest, Pierre Bonchibi. Now, Pierre's a PhD student in history at Warwick, but importantly for us, he's also the project manager who's been working on the Then and Now project, which has been producing a retrospective of the student experience within the arts faculty at the university. And I'll, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about this in a few moments. I'm really pleased that he's joining us to talk today a little bit about the project, but also mainly about a forthcoming special collaboration between Then and Now and the Exchanges Journal itself. Hello, Pierre, and thanks for joining us today, um, albeit over a video link, thanks to the ongoing uh, pandemic precautions. Indeed. Well, thanks, Gus, for having me. It's a pleasure. So I guess we're going to talk a little bit about this special issue we've got sort of coming up over the next year or so. Um, but first, you know, tell me a bit about yourself and perhaps a bit about how you, um, you got involved in this project. I'm a PhD candidate in the university's history department. Uh, I'm coming up to the end of my third year in that cycle, so it's, it's getting mm. to the business end. My research centres on industrial decline and post-industrial regeneration uh, in northern England across the second half of the 20th century and indeed up to, the, up to and including the present day. Mm, mm. Um, and I look at it through the lens of a particular town called St. Helens, which is between Liverpool and Manchester. Oh, I know, uh, I know, it, quite, I know it quite well, yes. <laughs> it's it's, it's nice, to, nice to come across someone who's heard of it, uh, for anything <laughs> other than rugby league, which is usually the pe- reason people have heard of it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I picked it because I grew up there. Um, oh, excellent, excellent. Because it makes an interesting case study, of course, but it's yeah. a, a happy coincidence. I look at how the, the industry of decline and the attempts at regeneration impact on the communities that live there. You know, so, so we have this traditional com- concept of it being a sort of work-based community centered on the working class. But then there's lots of debates these days, particularly in the media and journalism, about how that's all disappeared. Mm, mm. Um, and we've all become atomized individuals. But really, if you start looking into these places, you see that there actually are quite strong community groups persisting. But it's just interesting to look at how that form of community evolves over mm. time. And that's interesting. So, so talking about sort of communities evolving over time, I, I can always feel this is perhaps a direct segue into this project, into the then, then and now work. I, I suppose so, actually, yes. And I think the and one of the ways I look at those communities is I, I try and engage with the people who live in St. Helens. So I, I've done interviews with mm. some local residents and some local councillors. I've done some surveys and questionnaires with sixth form students. And it's because I do that sort of work that I, alongside my PhD, I do the administration for the university's oral history network. Mm. And that was, that was my in to the project because Catherine Woods, who founded the project, asked me to come along to a few meetings to help out the students who were doing the interviewing to help them prepare their ethics forms and mm. how to structure their interviews. And I, in fact, they did a sort of rehearsal interview with me that ended up being used in the project as well. Um, but the, the main reason that I agreed to the interview in the first place was to give them a chance to test on a sort of live subject. But of course, having come to the meetings and sat through the meetings and seen all the different strings to the project, I got quite into it and <laughs> so kept coming to the meetings. And so when Catherine 
revealed that she needed to leave the project because she was moving on to Goldsmiths University. I think she decided that it was the simplest way of replacing her was to hire me mm. because the students knew me. I knew about the project and she, I suppose, also knew me by that point as well. And so that's how I ended up taking over as project leader in around April and bringing the project up to its online exhibition, mm. which launched a few weeks ago. I'm guessing that launch is kind of one of the highlights. But you know, have there, have there been any other sort of real exciting moments for you or for the, the students who've been involved in it? Personally, for me, one of the most exciting things is that it has been an entirely student-led project. Now, obviously, Catherine founded the project and, and she's not a student, but her role prior to leaving and then my role since taking over from her has been much more sort of managerial or supervisory. Uh, we haven't been at the coalface ourselves for the most part. We haven't been sat in the archives going through the documents. And so to have a project where the students picked what area of the project they wanted to focus on, the, the archives, the exhibition, the social media, worked together in their little teams and shared the work between themselves. For me, that was very exciting because you see, so apart from anything else, you see a massive enthusiasm for it mm. from them. I don't think there's enough opportunity as yet for students to get involved in that kind of yeah. first-hand yeah. research. And I think the success of this project proves that it's a viable option. And I think the, the plan the arts faculty has in future years to continue these sorts of projects with undergrads is in part down to the success of the project. Mm. Another, that's actually another highlight for me is the fact that the success of the project means it's going to have a, a very concrete legacy mm. uh, in future years within the arts faculty. It's very exciting to have been part of a project that's almost overshot its objectives, not just achieved them, but gone beyond mm. what was expected to the point where the university are now really keen to kind of capitalise on the momentum and, and move that forward. Now, see, I'm not wanting to preempt the special issue, but, you know, is, is any sort of revelations that have come out from the research that sort of, you know, may, raised your eyebrows a little bit or little surprises or gems uh, that were in there? When, when you're doing this, this kind of research, there's nothing but gems in many ways. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the things that come across uh, come out are very, not anecdotal necessarily, but mm. there's, there's a lot of, sort of personal memories that come out of the interviews and mm, absolutely, even from yeah. the student publications and newspapers. There's a lot of gossip and stories and scandals and things that come out. And certainly it, on a rather more boring note, one of the more impressive things is just the sheer growth of the university that comes out. You know, you mm. go from a faculty that offers something like six degrees when it launches to one that now offers around 100 combinations of mm. subjects. But then, of course, there's also like amusing things that as someone who's been at the university as an undergraduate and now a PhD student, mm. I've heard my fair share of people complaining about the state of the current humanities building. Mm. But going through the archives, you find out that as early as sort of 1968 or 1969, people yeah. like E.P. Thompson were already complaining mm. about that. And <laughs> in the mid-1980s, it was described in the alternative prospectus as the ugliest building on campus. Um, so you know, these complaints are nothing new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or the fact that the infamous cone statue that used mm. to be outside the art centre, and I think now is down at Gibbet Hill, used to have an unofficial student society dedicated to it. Uh, as, I, as I recall, there wasn't one when I was an undergrad, but it was still a sort of symbolic focal point for students. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was a very Warwick thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's just amusing to see how some of these things that I remember from my time as an undergrad have actually been recurring themes across the history of student life at Warwick, I suppose, which justifies the project title of then and yeah. now. Yeah. Because there are, there's a lot of continuity. And, um, but yes, it's, it's one of those ones where if you, I'm sure if you spoke to the students who did the research in the archives, they could mm. give you sort of no end of, of nuggets yeah. of trivia and 
ephemera yeah. from the university. As a fan of social history myself, you know, I, it's one of the reasons I'm quite fascinated by this. And, you know, I'm look, look, really looking forward to kind of reading the submissions we have for the, the special issue. Yeah. What about, you, what about yourself? I mean, you know, are there any particular hopes, things you really would, would make your day if we have in it? I think it's going to be an excellent opportunity for the students to reach a new audience, for one yeah, thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it will give them a chance to reflect on their work and in particular put some of the detail in that will have had to have been sacrificed on the website because mm. as detailed as the website is, to make it an engaging place to visit, it can't be too detailed and overly referenced and anything like that. Whereas obviously when they get to write the articles or commentaries in the special issue, they can really put the nitty gritty yeah. back into it and, yeah. and show off their academic talents because mm. Mm. having worked with them, I know that they have those talents. And they've channeled it in a very sort of public engagement way on the website. And now they can channel that in a, in a more traditionally academic way. And I suppose it will give a more academic bent to the project overall. Mm, uh, mm. Perhaps if there's anyone who doubts the validity of public engagement projects or mm. student-led research, seeing it in a more academic context might quell mm. any doubts that they have. Mm. And... Of course, it's a chance for the undergraduates themselves to get their names in print, or the undergraduates and master students, I should say. Yeah. Very yeah. few of the uh, undergrads and masters actually have their name in print in a, in a proper journal. Mm. So this would be a very exciting occasion for them. From a personal point of view, actually, I'm looking forward to the editorial capacity because it's just it's just something new for me. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I've written a short article before. I've, I've done blog posts. Uh, I've had the chance to oversee the project, but I've never mm. done editorial work. So it'd be, that'll be a new experience for myself. I'm glad to hear something optimistic about it now. I'll remind you that in six months when we're working on it. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I think I, somewhat sadistically, I do quite like proofreading things. Excellent. Oh, that's less like. my own work, but more You're, so with the people's. You sound like a natural editor to me, Pierre. This is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, don't, don't try and use this as an excuse to get me on retainer or anything. <laughs> uh, that would be nice. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. So I'm going to say, Pierre Pochby, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been great. And um, look forward to this issue. Yes, me too. And my thanks to Pierre for being my very first guest on this podcast. Now, you can find out much more about the Then and Now Arts at Warwick project on the university's Faculty of Art web pages, including an opportunity to re-watch its online exhibition launch. Well worth a visit. For now, though, I'm Dr. Gareth Johnson, your host for this Exchanges Discourse podcast. I do hope you'll be joining us for the next episode, where I'll be taking a guided walk through our new issue and examining the various highlights. Remember, you can find out more about our journal at exchanges.warwick.ac.uk or by going to Twitter on Exchanges IAS. Or if you'd like to get in touch with a question for the podcast or to discuss a potential submission, you can reach me via Exchanges Journal at warwick.ac.uk Don't forget to like, subscribe and share this podcast with your community too. And thanks for listening today. Mm